Shopping Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Doctor Podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, just four ninety one. Four ninety one. Just bulldozing towards episode five hundred. That's right. The, we have no the particular drama plans. Is building. That's how the we drama. roll. What are we going to do yeah. for 500? Uh, everybody's like, you should do a clip show. I'm like, you know how much work that is? What, you go yeah. listen to hundreds of shows and extract little clips? Yeah, that sounds like 18 times harder. Than- Chris Ends would charge us $9 million. It would be <laughs> so, so expensive. But it would be kind of fun. I mean, oh, there, there's plenty of opportunities for us to do fun things. And in fact, our fun meter is off the charts because we've been doing videos and stuff. They're on not like a hiatus, but we're just like, we just, uh, whatever. We just need a minute and there'll be another drop of videos. Definitely look mm-hmm. forward to that all next year because they've been fun as heck to do. I was also on a podcast, a uh, little bender, because I, you know, I was on a, I did a little mini road trip up to Portland, which is like, you know, three and a half, four hours away. And then two ways. It's like, man, you can get a lot of podcasts listening in there. I tell you what, especially at 1.5x, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Yeah. You're cruising. Are you, you how good are, how fast do you go? Though? Are you like a 2x guy? 2x absolutely my dude i can even hit three if i'm feeling good unless there's a british accent then i'm back gotta, down to like 1.2 is it yeah yeah and youtube too or just audio youtube too man everything yeah. does your settings be- stick on youtube because i'm on my podcatcher it sticks i go to so i download a podcast i've never listened to before it's at one my preferred is 1.4 i'm still a baby i'm still working on the, my speed You'll get there. You'll, You'll get, get there. there. No, uh, YouTube. Yeah, it's like you know. I think YouTube's doing some intelligent stuff. Like it, it's defaults to two. I think when there's a lot of talking, but I, I also watch like video game vods. Yeah, um, yeah. Which you don't want to watch at two x. Like somebody whatever, sniping a guy from across Plus, the like, map. like music, too. What if, like, a band comes on? You can't listen yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want your, like, NPR tiny desks at 2X either, you know? So it seems like it kind of knows, like, hmm. oh, this is, like, a tech video. Boom, 2X. Or, yeah. like, this is a talk or something. So I don't know. But but it's not that difficult. And I just hit the button mm-hmm. and switch it up. Or sometimes I'll even do document that query selector all Oh, you'll just hand do it. Query selector nice. video playback rate too. Do you Boom. picture and picture it too and do other work or are you like focused on it? I do picture and picture. Can I teach you a little trick? Oh, I'd love know? it. Yeah, I would love it. So if in Microsoft Edge and maybe even on uh, uh, Chromiomi here, um, when when it go, turns the little play icon into a, a speaker to say like, hey, something's playing, you can right click that. And do picture and picture from YouTube.com. So you can like picture and picture. Because the YouTube picture and picture just like minimizes it on the website. It doesn't actually do PIP, you know? So Oh. So Yeah. All right. I have I have things to learn cool here. Tricks. But yeah, I'm just not a real YouTube bender. Just because they're so, though, it's like it's just amazing the the quality of content on there, you know. Like I'll I'll look and it'll be like, oh, there's Tom Scott again telling me about microwaves or whatever. Love Tom Scott, you know. But then they'll be yeah. like a Kevin Powell video. Got to see what a good YouTuber, good tech YouTuber is doing, you know. <laughs> Check that out. And then be like, oh, there's some Chrome Dev stuff I should probably watch. Oh, it's only five minutes. I'll just watch it quick. And then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy about photography, you know, like the algorithm. You know, I know all the kids talk about how good the TikTok algorithm is, and that's. Fine, but I still feel like you, real good. you, you know, and I like that. Okay. But, uh, there's just something about YouTube for me because of that, because of how I can trick my brain into, into how educational it is. 
you know, because it kind of, it yeah. actually is sometimes. But then, you know, then I'm 14 minutes into a StarCraft II video again. And then I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't so educationally. You know, what's nice about um, uh, the YouTube algorithm is it kind of knows when you're done mining a vein of content, you know, it's mm. sort of like, okay, you've watched all the how to dungeons and dragons videos, how to yeah. do interesting dungeons and dragons or what, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you've watched just about every video on Japanese carpentry we have. So we're just going to show you an old one. You've already watched just to give you a hint that you've watched them all. So, Oh, um, you think that's what's going on there? Oh, interesting. No, I yeah. think it's just, the, the algorithm's like, maybe he'll watch this one again. We'll yeah, see. I do get you know, right there. I've been getting more repeats lately. Although, yeah, I go in but, up and down, you know. So sometimes mm -hmm. my nighttime is just like, I'm like, I'm just all Netflix this month, you know. Right, now, right. Now, I'm a YouTuber now. Right now, it's YouTube. I, yeah, I did buy a whole iPad just to watch YouTube, and I'm using the heck out of it. <laughs> it's just amazing, you know. I go down music veins. I just, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Okay. Anyway, we want to be part of this revolution. Please hire us to do your YouTubes, whatever that yeah. means. Sponsor us, companies. Um, All right. Yeah, I love talking about websites, though, even more. So, you know. I love websites. Yeah. Websites are good. Here's all. I'm um, going to throw a weird one at you, unless you got one for me, and then we'll trade. No, hit me. Go. What is it? It's a, I'm thinking about performance stuff as it relates to CSS and... Mm -hmm. When it's when it's more confusing than I want it to be, like a classic one is will change. How long has will change been a thing? Years, you know. Two thousand five, ten, maybe. Yeah. Ooh, they think it's that old. It could be. You know what I don't get? Will change. I don't. I don't. I literally don't get it. I know that you're supposed to say will change, and then you put the the thing that you're going to change, which is like transform, probably. And then it'll do that. But like when and why and what on my websites am I screwing up and am I using it in places I shouldn't? And like, how do I know if it's working or not? I literally don't get it. So all mm. these years later, don't get it. And now there's, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, yeah. I would say the way I understand it mm -hmm. is basically like use GPU. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like it said could have been use GPU equals true or something like that. Um, yeah. And in old, old versions, it would actually raster some of that content. So it like was like, I don't have to refigure this out. I'm just going to like raster this and then apply transforms. But I think browsers have gotten smarter. It doesn't quite do a raster mm. on that. Like as if you're like scaling, it would just scale it kind of like a JPEG or something. But yeah, I you think that crispies. Yeah, but uh, I don't think that works out anymore. But yeah. I, that's how I've always understood it. Doesn't it, but transform it was, also mean use GPU? So why would I say will change on a transform? That's the same thing. Historically, it was transform did not use GPU, but transform 3D did. So, um, but it, what was weird was like, it was like, oh, we need this in spec. And then like Edge, I think at the time, or maybe his IE was just like, we don't need it we've already GPU optimized this whole thing. This whole mm. render pipeline is already on the GPU. So like, I understand we need to implement that property for CSS compat, but we don't use it. It doesn't do anything in our engine. So it's a very like Chrome WebKit bespoke thing. So, uh, 
It just doesn't seem to be in the zeitgeist either. Despite my not understanding of it, I don't like see it thrown around a lot. In the tutorials I read and the tutorials I publish, I'm not seeing it loaded yeah, up. How many with of those Will do Chain. you read and see like on a daily basis? <laughs> 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 like Dave, really, it's like more five? than the average person. I'll tell you that. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's funny. I I wonder if it. I think I think a lot of the optimizations came out and basically replaced that to some degree. Um, there there is sometimes you know, you do you can get some juice out of it. I, I feel like, but but maybe I'm totally. Wrong. I just want to see I'm it. Gaslit. I want to see one. No, no, you're not. I'm sure you're not. And I feel like I've maybe ever seen it, but it's been so long that it's now disappeared from my mind. Please, listeners, send me a code pen or whatever, wherever you want, where you, I can comment out "will change" and just see it suck, and then and then put back in "will change" and watch it be good. I just want to see it. Any one one demo. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I will. I will like. Uh, I'm not questioning it. I, I, I'm literally asking. I want to see it because I'm sure, I'm sure it's a thing. And even if you tell me, oh, you're not going to notice it on your MacBook, but if you bust out, you know, some old phone or something, then you'll see it. I'll be like, cool, then I will do that. Um, so there's others, though, that, that have me thinking in, in the same vein. I just wanted to bitch about that one first sure, just for fun. Sure. Like, there's a, there was a post the other day that was... Um, Let's see, Johan Isaacson, he said, how I made Google's data grid scroll 10x faster with one line of CSS. And it was like Content some big, visibility, right? Uh, I no. don't know, but that's where I'm going. It is okay. contain colon strict. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the line. Okay, yeah. Contain strict. Okay, so it, what does it do? Like, I mean, I, you know, I have... A little bit of an understanding, but not not a million times. Like I don't use it. I'll tell you that my brain doesn't reach uh, for it. I'm not like, oh, the fixes contain strict. <laughs> no, yeah. never. And there's like, contain content, contain size, contain layout. Some of this is, has entered our consciousness a little bit because of container queries. Because mm-hmm. some of, wasn't some of this at one time was required to kick off a container query to get it to work. That was sort of the because it's. You say like contain size or contain X or something like that. Or I don't forget the actual yeah, value. Now it's know. container but, and it's got confusing. Um, but you would say like contain uh, size. And basically you're saying it's not going to change height and width like on you. So you can just pretend that's going to be the same and apply these changes within here. So, um yeah, I don't know. I, uh, but I don't know how deep that goes. Does it like, you know, it, like if you squeeze a browser, it does contain size. That doesn't just do like overflow visible or whatever. It's going to like squeeze the content, right? Yeah. Do you, What if you right. lie, right? Is that what you're saying? Like it, it's not saying, oh, it's natural with at the moment, even though you didn't set one is 319 pixels. And you said contain contain layout so even though i would naturally wrap because now the browser or the the space that it's in is only 200 pixels wide or something is it just going to ignore that and stay 319 pixels wide because you said to contain it or is it going to be like bro you lied to me but i know what i have to do all those optimizations I do for you are now gone. Yeah. I mean, I suppose we could just read the RTFM here. I'm just saying I'm putting mm-hmm. these things in a bucket of like CSS things that obviously have massive impacts on performance. 
to mm-hmm. an orders of magnitude of speed differences depending on the situation and having them be and being frankly a little embarrassed that I don't really like reach for them or understand them as well as I should. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say here. You know? I no, I'm in the same it's like my my I'm embarrassed I don't know this better list sort of, but like the yeah, my list of shame, our list CSS list of shame here. The content visibility is the one I said. That's the and, third and one, yeah. That Jake Archibald famously is like, look at this, you know, Wikipedia document is now 10x faster because all that crap below the fold just didn't have to paint at all. All that that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and then there was like a bug <laughs> that ruined the whole page. But what um but it's all fixed. Um, but it was like the HTML spec is like 10 megabytes long or something like that. And you load that, it takes, you know, whatever, a hundred seconds or something. And he made it load in like one second because he could just say, don't paint the rest of the page, only paint the stuff you see. But what gets me about that is you're like content visibility. I don't know, a thousand pixels. And then that's the solution. Like, like, <laughs> I, I, it seems to me like you're like basically again kind of just lying. There was a weird magic number, and yeah, it was at some time explained to me that the lying doesn't actually matter that much because when it when it gets time to actually paint that thing, it still just paints at whatever it would be. It's like the thousand is like a good enough proxy for because you're not painting it anyway. It's just giving it, you know, like if you. It's paint- like the skeleton block. Basically, yeah. it's like your skeleton height. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then and then by the time it gets there, that number doesn't matter. But that number was tall enough to replicate the stuff happening at the top of the page that did matter. But what is height in a world where the browser squeezes? <laughs> oh, that's, that's my musical I'm writing. My Broadway play. <laughs> the best. That's gonna we should make that our Discord. <laughs> Um, do they have like, like, like channel things like Slack does where you're like, what is the meaning of this channel? I'm not Um, sure they do in discord actually. We got topics. Oh yeah. Yeah. Topic. Yeah. Yeah. Put a musical note and say, what is height in a world where browsers squeeze? (laughs) So good. I made a song. Can we totally tangent? Can we totally tangent? I made a, I made a banger, cut a banger this week for my kids. Oh yeah. Uh, It's like. What do you guys want for breakfast? You know, it's 6.30 right. in the morning. We're all dragging whatever. Dad's getting through this. Uh, what do you want for bra- breakfast? And there's like, eyes closed, mini bagel. I'm like, great. And I just go, mini bagel, mini bagel, mini bagel for you. <laughs> oh, it's a banger, dude. Oh, uh, silver bells? Yeah. Yeah. Just... Tis the season. We're getting a lot of mileage out of recycling old Christmas tunes here. But uh-huh. if it was a couple of weeks ago, you'd be like, "This is mini bagel. This is mini bagel." <laughs> yeah, I started singing "All I Want for Christmas Is You" on the walk to school today, and I felt no shame. <laughs> no, it is time. Late November holiday songs well, this are coming out in December here. So, yeah, yeah, you got dang right. Oh yeah, this one is. Sorry, we're recording a little early, folks. Behind the scenes, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah you get it. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Shortcut. Have you ever been really happy with your project management tool? Most of them out there are either too simple for a growing engineering team or too complex for anyone to really want to use. So Shortcut, formerly Clubhouse, by the way, name change, 
is different. It's built specifically for software teams. It's fast, intuitive, flexible, powerful, and many other nice positive adjectives. Happy. Shortcut features include team-based workflows, org-wide goals and roadmaps, tight VCS integrations, keyboard-friendly interface, integrations planning. Sign up at shortcut.com slash shop talk. What a nice URL. Shortcut.com slash shop talk. Get two months free. Very generous of them. Thank you. You shouldn't have to project manage your project management. Yeah. All right. So will change, contain, and what was the other one? Contain. Con- content content visibility. visibility. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's great that they all exist, but um, I would like to participate in understanding them more. And then because I'm in the business of helping other people understand them to do that as well. So if there's any guest authors out there that really want to dig in again, even though I'm sure we, I have published content about it on CSS Tricks already, that doesn't matter. You know, like, let's revisit it fresh. Let's revisit it with our 2022 eyeballs. Um, you know what? Could I put one more on that pile? Sure. All, all. Oh, just Once all, period. Initial, uh, what's the other, the new one? Inert or inherit. Like, those are brutal to me. Like, a, you know, all unset initial. And isn't there another one? There's a new one, another new oh, one. Oh, a I value forget. for so, all? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, all's, a, all's a beast because it's... Um, I, I get I want to use all unset when it's like, just nuke all the styles. I'm, in, I'm driving, you know, like I, I get that, yeah. like a button. Right. It has some but dangers, though, because it'll even reset your like display. And you're like, yeah, except for that. Yeah, not that one. That's the one that <laughs> makes it not just a tiny baby span. So, yeah. Yeah, tricky stuff. Yep. Um, okay, well, that's cool. Maybe we have some 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 questionerinos here to hit. Let's hop over to the questions. Frank Noro writes, uh, hey, long-time listener, uh, what is the process of designing a great embed? Mm. I'm trying to design and build an embed for a 3D modeling web app I'm helping build my uh in my free time it's cadhub.xyz looks pretty good um and i'm fascinated by the process of paring down a productivity app to its minimum looks what has been the process uh for either of you in your work in the past like especially things like code pen uh i'm looking at code pen and code sandboxes embeds and they're both clever uh and to my question so optimized for uh the normal experience Minimal, customizable UI, accepting query parameters, all that stuff. I'm mm. wondering uh, what conversations shaped them. So, yeah, how uh, how'd that go, Chris? How uh, how'd you do all the? Uh... Well, I think you're thinking about the right thing. You know, I've seen Frank someone the, the way to totally punt on this and have it not be embarrassing, but not be you know perhaps what you're gunning for is to just use responsive design so dramatically that even a iframe that renders at tiny, 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 say 320 pixels wide, the entire interface of your app just morphs and becomes an embed. Now you didn't, now you don't have to design a separate route or anything. It's just like this, just iframe the view that you're looking at and it'll be an embed. It's a little bit of a punt, you know, I think it could be done well. It reminds me of that mustard cutting stuff that was so popular years ago. You could be like, you know, 
load a very minimum page, report back the situation from the front end. How wide am I? What is it? What, you know, what kind of, what am I looking at here? What do I look like in embed? Then load additional resources if necessary to boot up certain things, you know, and if you can tell that if you're in a tiny space or that you're network constrained or something that you could load some kind of light version of the site. That's the point I think of an embed is that the embed should be light because you're putting this on another web page. So you're doubling how many web pages load, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's your mm-hmm. responsibility to do as little as you can. At CodePen, mm-hmm. we, we never even ship jQuery in an embed. It was all like, oh, yeah. no, vanilla only, you know, let's make these things tiny, 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 and, and mm. always be kind of scrutinizing what goes into an embed. And then it gives you, when it is a fresh route, you know, like a different page, you get to totally design it from scratch. Like, what is the experience of this thing? I can always uniquely and totally control it. Also, if it's a different URL, it gives you this opportunity um, to do something like throw it on a different set of servers, you know, maybe even okay. connect to a like a you know a, a, a read-only database or something that's somewhere else, so that maybe if your main site goes down, the embeds do not. Oh yeah, nice right because that's a big deal because users are trusting you. There's a lot of trust in an embed. That way, your hacker news traffic doesn't take down the big site where people are saving their code pens. You know, like you're yeah, kinda... you also have no control over that, and like somebody else's page getting popular. Not that you have any control over your page getting popular either, but it's a little bit more random when you have embeds scattered all over the internet. You know, I can tell you yeah. that CodePen gets at one time, the last measurement, which is at least a couple of years ago, because we're not that big on page view style analytics, but there, it was about the same that we got as much traffic oh, wow. to embeds as we did to the main site itself. I bet I it's, I bet it's winning now, you know, Mm, yeah, I, I think I would believe that. Yeah. I, so it's a big deal page, in other words, you know. Yeah, because I mean, you like, you know, it, I just, you know, like if I tweet out a code pen link, people will go to it. You know, they're interested. But like if I tweet out a blog link, I think more than just code pen friends will check it out, you know. So, right. Um, yeah. So it's possible it gets, I, w- I wonder if I could see. On my own post, you know, maybe I'd do that. Maybe I'd make a a, a four four website and four code pen pens and A/B test or something. See what gets more traffic. Here's another um, thing I don't regret: is <clears throat> ultimately it's an iframe. It has to be because that's the that's what an embed is. You know, like mm-hmm. you have to do it, and and you're trusting us to showcase this experience, right? I always offer that. Because if somebody wants to just straight up use an iframe, because they have to, because they're in some kind of CMS that doesn't let them, you know, that whatever, something like. So the alternative to the iframe is some kind of element. In our case, we use a P tag and we literally type content in there. We say, this is a pen by this author and this is the title of it and here's a link to it. And then a script tag. And the script tag replaces the P tag with an iframe on the fly. And the point of that is progressive enhancement in that if it doesn't load, that there's still a link to the content. It's not just nothing. Whereas if like an iframe gets stripped because you're in some environment that doesn't allow it, then it's, you just, it's just gone. It's nothing, which is like not great. I always kind of preferred the, the script technique. And the script technique has a couple of other advantages too that we can like, 
you know, measure the space that it's going to be in. And like, there's just a couple of extra like bonus abilities that the script tag has that the iframe doesn't have. I forget the full list of them or whatever, but that's one to think about. Frank is like, what, how are you going to, what code are you going to give people? And if you go with the script technique or whatever you give somebody, that URL is forever. You're supporting that for the rest of your life. Yeah, I was going to say like the params in the URL kind of are fixed, right? Like you kind of, that's like going to be some technical debt. So you kind of got to nail that first try, right? The whole URL. Like params as well, yeah. Because if you offer a little too much, you're going to maybe biff it. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. um, So I would be careful about that. I even think about, because you offer a lot of like style stuff, like Mm -hmm, theme, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I wonder if, you know, you could do that through CSS custom properties in a 2022 yeah. world here. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where we're headed with it, for the record, you know. Just because you could, like, those pass through down to an iframe. So that's cool. And so, like, then your iframe can say, like, cool, we got those. We get the, We know what those are. Yeah, so, There's, they're also um, relatively secure. Yeah. So, uh, so that's yeah. kind of a... That's yeah. I don't know. I I I really. I mean, I use the Code Pen one a lot. I really like that it has a edit on Code Pen button because I'll, I'll you know see them all mm. over the internet and I'm just like click edit. I know exactly what that's going to do, and that's going to be something I can kind of open up and view on the big screen. Right. You know, so there's an option to make it um, editable right there as well. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you, we had a hell of a bug with that edit on Code Pen thing. It's still outstanding, and this is Safari only. So for whatever it's worth, I don't, you know, and our traffic is not particularly Safari heavy for whatever reason. So it hasn't been too pressing. But as if you're, let's say you have a tab open, you're on CodePen, then you're on some other page like DaveRupert.com and there's an embed mm-hmm. on it. And then you click that, you click that button you just said you like, edit on CodePen. That'll take you right over to CodePen in a new tab. In that new tab, you will be logged out. And then if you even go back oh. to that tab you were already on where you were logged in and refresh it, you're logged out. Safari has just decided to just nuke your login cookie. Cookie. When you click From that. an iframe. Yeah. And I don't, oh. I do not know why, but it's an open ticket and they're, I think they're attempting to help and, and such, but it's, it's pretty odd. Probably their intelligent tracking prevention. So. Yeah, I think it does have something to do with that, but it also, it's, it's a little more nuanced and that. There, we use the same site header with the lax property, and that may have something to do with that. Uh, I don't okay. know. It's yeah. tricky and it's unfortunate, but it, that's the kind yeah. of that's, that's work. That's day to day SaaS stuff. Yeah, because I guess there's probably a situation where they could, an attacker could like try to read your session from your, you know, like your code pen session or something, you know, from the iPhone or something. Mm. Like an extension or something, but you know. Yeah, it's funny though because it the shouldn't the, be able to, but yeah, that cookie is not present in the embed. But maybe is it? Oh, that's actually interesting. I'll have to because the embed it's... doesn't care if you're logged in or not. The the status for your login is is irrelevant. But because it's served from CodePen.io, I, I wonder if the cookie's still there. Well, and maybe it's just nuking. It's like, oh, this guy tried to do a CodePen cookie. I'm just gonna nuke it. You know, yeah, it does so. have the 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 word session in the cookie too. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I wonder well, if that might do it. Might do it. Yeah, it's just like a, a regex looking for session cookies. 
I would say uh, yeah. Cat Hub is looks really cool, Frank. So um, hopefully you get your does. sorted out. So yeah, um, make them lightweight and be ready to support them for a long time, and and think about the code you want to give people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that little whatever that little what you call it the the script tag script search. Yeah, I it it feel I think to some people it feels like a shady or something. Like, mm-hmm. why, why would you make me put third party JavaScript on this page? You know, in fact, mm-hmm. I have a draft post here. I wonder if it will be out by the time this is out. Probably not from Jeremy Keith. I, I'm running one of those series on CSS tricks again this year about mm-hmm. the, I ask all developers a question or, you know, a developers I admire, which is a true statement. And and they tell me, give me one thing to make a website better. That's going to be this year's theme. You have to pick one thing and answer that question. And Jeremy, spoiler alert, sorry, Jeremy, if you wanted to keep a secret, too bad I'm spoiling yours, is that third-party JavaScript shouldn't even be allowed, period. A hard-line stance on that. And it's interesting, he might be on the right side of history on this. But I bring that up because, like, I I run a service that asks you to put third-party JavaScript on your site, and here I am telling you that I think it's actually a good idea. I understand his points, but... I think for a UI UX perspective of what we're offering, it's the it's the better of the two options. How to get something. Yeah, and, and then there's um I think about um you know, if you want to even use a web component, you can't use it without JavaScript. But maybe there's like semi first party CDNs or something. I don't know. Second party CDNs or something. I don't know. I got a lot of crap for that the other day. I published a, yeah, well, here's the situation. I'm sure you would agree because it is kind of a weird thing to think about. But it was it had to do with a video you and I did. Remember when I showed you, oh, there's a Cloudflare worker and all you do is return a fetch for DaveRupert.com and all of a sudden you have another URL that is a proxy yes, for the Dave original? Rupert.com. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that proxy doesn't have to be a, a website. It could be just a JavaScript file. So yeah, now you're true. proxying a third-party JavaScript file but it, and then you attach it to your domain, it looks like a first-party JavaScript file. That's what people gave me crap for. They're like, oh, that's the worst idea ever. Isn't that, then you're, it's, you know, what protection you used to get from cores, you now don't have anymore. Like, you're giving a third party an extreme amount of control over your website into some JavaScript um, that you don't control. I I guess I understand. Yeah, that's that's fair. You'd have to just trust the hell out of it. Because the third party could be you, it's just a different domain. Yeah, yeah. You know, the third party could just, just be some other domain that you do actually control. Yeah, I wonder if that's the definition. Is like, uh, it's like second party is parties you actually trust. You know, <laughs> second party. Oh, no. Yeah, why yeah. not? <laughs> like, be. it's like somebody I'm actually in a relationship with, um, right? And I can use their stuff. Uh, but no, I, I guess I understand that core sort of vector there. Um, you know, I'm sure people are, are very upset it blocks their ad blocker. <laughs> so, you know, uh, um, big tears. But, um, yeah. All right. Tricky stuff. Hey, we got another question. Yeah. You want to hit another one? Sure. Nathan Brown writes in, I, I'm beginning to hate front-end development, which is sad because for decades it's been my passion. The problem is the community and what I consider to be dogma, my ideals our simplicity, speed, portability, but I constantly feel these concepts are under attack as 
um, even being desirable at all. So there's so much that you you can't even question the use of in front end development. Else the community and even your own team will attack you. Oh, so I'm sorry, Nathan. That sounds like it sucks. Um, there's a lot of words here from Nathan, but I think that captures the, the gist of it. Um, so you are burnt out, Nathan. You are not liking this job at the moment. I can tell you're very not liking this job at the moment. And I don't know what to tell you. It sounds like you might be in a bad situation that's not 100% about front-end development entirely only. I would say, too, I think there's, um, it kind of goes through, like, you know, um, premature optimization, abstraction, componentization, unit testing, and DevOps config files and stuff like that. A few more gripes here. Yeah. Um, I Here's what I will say. Like, there are teams that don't, you know, um, like want th- that that do have the value of simplicity, speed, and portability. You know, um, like that's part of the reason I use things like like Eleventy. You know, is like it just it's like tries to keep it very simple. You know, um, the and it tries to deliver a fast product at the end. It's just a little tool that I guess it's a big tool, but a little tool that like helps you generate websites faster, you know, and you may even draw the line at 11, 11 is too much. And I, I can understand that, but, but I think it's like finding your lines, like what, what is too much and what is too little and being able to like clearly sort of like, you know, uh, say like, here's where I'm comfortable. Here's where I'm not, you know, uh-huh. um, that's, you know what I mean? So, and, and you know, it's just like, just like, you know, we have to use React as dogma, like like React sucks is also dogma. So you have to yeah. figure out what what you're bringing to the table other than nacing. And I'm saying that to myself because, like, I've had to right, figure Right, but thank you for saying well. that because I think that's very important. Dogma is not, I don't like what somebody else is saying. Dogma is, 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 is saying, this is the way it is. Period, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 not having any open mindedness to to any other. And, and and if you disagree with somebody because you think they're too stuck in their ways, and your answer is no, it's exactly the opposite, and I'm not listening to what you're saying either. You're also being dogmatic. Mm-hmm. So tricky, and this is difficult stuff. I have a post on CSS tricks called "My Increasing Wariness of Dogmatism" because I feel like I was feeling like you're feeling right now, Nathan, about about seeing all too much dogma in the industry. Um, I don't think it's reduced at all in the five years since I've written this article. I think my own attitude to it has been reversed. And part of that is having friends like Dave Rupert, who says smart things once in a while. Dave has a quote that's permanently burned into my memory of, you can just let other people be wrong. And it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, like in, in this case, it sounds like it might matter because there, there's some people on your own team and then it does matter. But if it's just somebody else on the internet and they're just saying something and you, even if you know it to be wrong, so what? So what? Let it be wrong. Just let them be just, wrong. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what? It's, and, and they'll, they could be wrong for five or 10 years. <laughs> right. And you just have to watch them be wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And there's a little worrisome, just to finish the thought a little bit, that Nathan, at one point you say like, 
I do not believe unit testing for things that are obvious is the thing that you said. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're feeling pretty strongly about that. Like somebody said, we are need to do unit testing here. And you're saying you don't need to do units. It might, it might be like two dogmas hitting each other over the head. I'm not saying you're always like that, but there are some telltale signs here, Nathan, of, of some possible <laughs> reverse dogma. So just be careful. Yeah. No, I mean, and not again, the, like I'm <laughs> probably more like Nathan, um, like I, I'm definitely in the like oh, I don't want to do the testing. Like I want to be over testing or whatever. But you know, like this last week, like that this week in particular, like I've been, I had to refactor this thing. It's just like we want to add features, and it's that kind of like the more code you write, the more like what is this doing sort of going on, you know? And then, um, and, and I just said, you know what? I'm gonna write tests for this, and it's just gonna. Like, because I'm manipulating data, like like my view form posts some data and it goes through and it says like, okay, make sure this field is called this and this field is called that. I'm just like writing code. I'm writing tests to verify that the output is what I expect from this function. And it's it's great <laughs> because A, I can't commit the bad code up. And then B, I, I'm, I see the green check marks. I get a little reward like, hey, you you wrote it right, you know? And then even your tests are kind of like, hey, I'm able to actually like prove that this is is doing the job I set out to do. Um, so there, there's, I'm seeing the value right now currently this week. So I'm like, you know, testing is great. <laughs> you know, even <laughs> dumb ones, you know, like, and then I'm, I've like, basically like unit tested and then I like started copy pasting those unit tests for another little function. And I was like, wait, maybe these could be the same function if they're like doing the same thing, basically, Mm. you know, and now I'm reducing code. I'm getting back to that simplicity and portability thing we like, you know, and speed. So like stuff you're doing now can feel dumb, but like, again, uh, there's a Jeremy Keith again, we're talking about him. This is the Jeremy Keith fan club. Apparently Um, (laughs) it's, he he has this thing on principles, a few talks on principles, like with a capital P. And it's just this idea of like, figure out what's important to you. And he likes, he writes them down and he collects people who write down their principles or organizations or, mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And you, I just think it's really cool. Like find out your principles and write them down. It's so like such a banger. I don't know. That it's such a good idea to do that because you can like when somebody says something to you like you have to write unit tests you can say like what principle of mine is this valid violating you know i'm upset what principle is this violating it's violating the simplicity thing because i wrote simplistic you know Mm. or or what and you can kind of like not negotiate but you're just like this is what i'm gonna get mad about or this is what i don't agree on or whatever so uh, uh, that's all. I don't know. I, I kind of meandered there, but I, what I'm saying is I think there's a lot of value in writing down your principles and then it may roundabout be helping you get to your goal of, of simplicity and speed and portability. So even something dumb. So there you go. Yep. Good luck. And if it's something, if it's not just this dogma stuff, I mean, if you if you're like worried about your team attacking you, it feels like there's something happening on an emotional level there, that uh, that might not just be only that thing. So, good luck yeah. with that. Yeah, definitely 
put some feelers out for a new job. <laughs> so, can't hurt. Can't hurt. Uh, always be doing that. Yeah. So the fact that you know what a unit test is makes you qualified for like a whole bunch of jobs. Yeah, yeah. You're you're in Fang territory or Mang territory. <laughs> so there you go. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Automatic, you know, makers of Jetpack, the plugin I'm always going on about. It is Cyber Monday as this podcast is dropping. So this is a little time sensitive. That is Monday, November 29th. That's Cyber Monday, and that's 55% off your first year of all Jetpack products and plans. Pretty huge discount. So uh, take stock, figure out what you maybe even need to buy, like maybe even for the year, plan ahead a little bit, because 55% off is no joke. And, and you have this is really time sensitive woocommerce is having uh, a cyber monday sale too but it ends tuesday november 30th so it's you know it's tight you got to do it now 40 percent off everything you know with a few exceptions go to the website to find out uh until 8 a.m utc on tuesday november 30th that's 40 percent off everything in the woocommerce uh, uh, store that's extensions themes woocommerce essentials all that so i know this is time sensitive but but get on it if you are a wordpress user and plan to use woocommerce do use woocommerce and jetpack that whole universe huge sales get it done uh one more question sheila brand sheila brennan sorry writes in uh, long time listener, love the show. Hey, thank you for listening. Uh, wondering what your go to tool is if you're going to create a slide deck that'll mm. have a mix of text and code snippets. Uh, do you reach for something platform agnostic or base your decision on the framework the code snippets will use, etc.? React, etc. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chris, do you have a, a? Well, I do, but I'm also embarrassed by it. It's to some degree for muscle memory reasons. I just use. Um, keynote and I just really like it. I think it's just a great free app that Apple puts out that I'm happy building my slides in. And the reason I'm embarrassed by it is that it's not web-based and there's so many great web ones. For example, I would think my personality would lead me right to slides.com. It's by Hakeem Hakeem and and his team. And the thing is absolutely gorgeous and extremely well done. And that way it's like, wow, you'll never lose a slide deck because it's, you know, it's a website. It's, it's just very comfortable territory. It just couldn't be more well done. And I should build all my slide decks in it. And I just don't. So it's just (laughs) muscle memory and stuff of keynote and like liking the, the kind of tool structure there. What I like about both of those tools, I'll say though, is I want a lot of control over every single slide. I want to be able to grab a piece of text and fiddle with it and drag it to the top right corner, or maybe maybe it looks better in the bottom left corner. And maybe this image, you know, needs to be bigger or smaller or something. So I am turned off by tools that are like, you know, make your slides in Markdown and just pick a template and then bleh, and it barfs them out into a thing. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Not enough control for me. You know, mm-hmm. I like that for people that, that want a good looking slide deck and want, no, they don't want to think about typography or colors or placement or anything. Um, and I think that's great that those tools exist, but I want like a high touch thing you know like if i'm gonna do a talk because and this partially is like where i'm at in my career like i don't do a lot of you know i'll speak at a meetup or something but if i'm gonna do that i'm just gonna 
have some tabs open in my browser and just talk and like click on crap in a browser. And I, I don't mind that like low effort approach. But if I'm going to be paid thousands of dollars to fly out to your city and do it, my brand and such at the moment is that I'm going to like do my absolute best to deliver a professional speech, you know, and it's going to have the slides that are as good as I can make them that are clear and, you know, everything I want them to be beautiful and funny and all that stuff. And I, and I am not going to use like a barf it out slide tool for that. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. You know? So these slides are a big deal to me. Like I have to, I, I spent ages polishing them, you know? Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat, uh, pretty much exactly. I really like slides. We actually have used slides for a client and stuff like that, just cause it was like, you know, a, they just wanted web-based slides, you know, everyone's sharing PowerPoints, but you know, you had to like download that and pass that around. You can do office 365, but even that's like a bit of a clunky flow, right? Like, um, uh, but you know, there's, uh, so I like slides and, and what's funny is like, you can use the reveal JS, you can home roll this yourself. And it's basically sections build your slides. You use section elements, you know? And so your brain's like, Hey, I could make a generator, a markdown generator that does this. And I've like gone down the path of writing my own web component framework or markdown framework, mm-hmm. you know, to build out slides. And I always hit that point that you hit, Chris, is like, I want full control. I want like WYSIWYG, like dragging, dropping, perfect sizing, doing this. And then you get kind of caught up too on web-based slides of like responsiveness too, and which mm. is really hard, like kind of too much work for like a, a talk, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Slide I have, scales like, that too, and that you just design it in a fixed size and then it scales proportionately. So you don't mess around with responsive design. It's just, it's just like aspect ratio scaled, which I think is absolutely the right approach. I'm not going to come up right. with three layouts for every slide. It's not happening. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Um, and so like, so I get nerds not by that. So, and that's bad for like a talk that's bad for my family. <laughs> it's like that level of bad. Right. Um, but I will say there are cool things like this, like, like where if you write in react or something and you want to do like MDX, you know, you want react samples like, um, right. That can be awfully this, cool. Uh, Jixon bulk. Uh, <laughs> the MDX deck, which is pretty cool. And then I think I just saw this thing, sly.dev, which is like Markdown-based slides. Um, and what I think I like about this is it has a few built-in templates, like the full background, yeah. you know, the cover layout. The like, It has a few uh, starter templates um, that you could maybe use. And, and I think that's cool. So like... I would actually maybe want to give this a try uh, if for my next thing, you know, mm-hmm. just as, but, but again, it's sort of like, uh, I, I'm an old dog. And so like, I, I have a way of doing it and I, you know, like you're saying a, a level of expectation or, or quality that you're trying to deliver. Um, and not that these can't deliver that, but, but you're just like, you know the pathway, you have a pathway to get there now. And so like picking up a new tool to maybe get there is kind of a big, big risk when you're putting together a talk in your spare time, you know, so. I agree, yeah. Uh, this The question from Sheila also specifically asked about 
code snippets, that's mm-hmm. another reason maybe not to use Keynote because it has nothing for that, essentially. You know, there's trickery to get it to work, but it's definitely not as clean as just like paste some code in and tell it what language it is and get syntax highlighting or pick from different syntax highlightings or anything useful. I think something like Slides does. I'm sure there's plenty of other, if you roll your own, you can certainly just, you know, throw Prism at it or whatever and get uh, a nice situation. Or you could, you know, drop in editable code pen embeds, you know, you're also I, stuff like that. But yeah, code pen embeds are rad. Um, I will say like PowerPoint or Keynote is kind of hard if you're doing code snippets and then you have to change those later. That's like a major weak point just because it's like, you have to like copy the code with the formatting, paste it back in. It's like that can be a nightmare, is all I'm saying. So, in that sense, like a, a sort of JS heavy slide deck might be great. So, yeah, God, I'm yeah. sitting here on the slides deck, home homepage, looking at their their feature set. I'm like, oh, I really need to do this. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's there. It's really nice. And then it's all there. And then you can like, yeah, you'll yeah, never lose it. That's, you know, one of the, you know, one of the like reasons I like Figma is because like all of our work ever is just sitting in there. You don't have to like transfer it to a new computer when I get one or anything like that. It's, it's just it, permanently in the cloud. And that's how I like it. That's the strength of the web. Gosh, darn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you can do, you can do HTML. You can do videos pretty easy, like embed videos and stuff like that. Like I've had problems yeah. with that. And you in can search like it. Native People software. can select it. They're more accessible. You know, the uh, the output mm. of my freaking keynotes is usually a PDF, right? An un unreadable PDF, right? Yeah. So um, I'm just poking fun at myself, but yeah, no. I, but it's I, you know, and Hakeem's been working on this since like. 2010 or something <laughs> like right like like so it's good it's it's been through the paces it's gonna be better than something you're gonna write right. is what i want you know what i wonder it's if it be has better than the thing you make because you so. i wonder because you were you were in windows land so long so you're in powerpoint you have more experience with different tools but i'll tell you there's one thing in keynote that's just tremendous it's the magic move thing between two slides so if you have a slide say and you duplicate it and then you move some of the stuff around. You move the position and the scale of it and stuff. If you have the magic move transition on it from one slide to the next, everything just slides nicely into place. And it's such a compelling way to move, you know, that mimics kind of a, a well-made mobile app, you know, where you transition a page and like, it's not just an abrupt change. Things like if the same thing is still on the page, but in a new position, it moves into to place there. And it's so well done and so obvious how to use in Keynote that it's one of the things that I miss if I don't have Keynote. Magic yeah. move is killer. PowerPoint has morph, um, which is basically the same thing. It morphs between two slides, like a morph transition. I will say, though, it works about half as good as Magic mm. Move. Is that what it's called? Magic? It's called Magic Move. Mag- it's one of the, it's a yeah. slide a transition. You know, there's different types of transitions in, in Keynote. There's the ones that are just like animations right on a page or steps in on one slide that are like, Mm-hmm. Do this, then do this, then do this. Like show bullet point by bullet point is the most kind of basic one. But then there's a whole mm-hmm. different set of animations that are what happens between two slides. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I feel, I think I would like 100% say, I feel like Magic Move is a lot more elegant, you know, whereas like 
morph is like, cool, I'm starting to do it. And then like I farted it out uh, of the page, you know? And so like magic moves always like, that's the I'm least surprising the best, thing I've ever you know? heard in my life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. That, I will say like my, I like my, Dave Rupert does, but um, hashtag ad, but they, um, yeah, I feel like their software, there's always like one little thing you're like, mm, I don't know. So there's a flavor. It has a flavor. Yeah. It's like coconut. You're going to notice it. And, and it's vomit terrible. So just like coconut. <laughs> oh God. Coconut is the worst. Get out of here. Hey, <laughs> welcome. Hello. Coconut haters to the chop talk show. Oh my God. If you like coconuts. Just go ahead and mm-hmm. throw your iPod in the ocean. <laughs> I like all fruits too. If it's just some weird, like black slime from, from, you know, Miami or whatever that has the world's weirdest fruit down there. I just love it. I just almost a hundred percent chance that I will like whatever fruit is, is given to me. I have some weird favorites, whatever, but coconut death and grapefruit, <laughs> coconuts and grapefruit can go to hell and everything else is amazing. <laughs> I can do a grapefruit, but, but, but I understand the sentiment. It's like, Hey, I made an orange, but worse. It's like just bitter juice. Yeah. You, you should eat it for breakfast because oh, yeah. it's healthy. And here's your special stupid spoon for it. Oh my God. Yeah. You need a special spoon because this fruit is so bad. We had to invent utensils for it. Yeah. It's that, it's oh, that terrible. It's horrible. We, yeah. But I, you know, so we had juice this morning. I got the juice out of the, out of the, you know, make some juice for rubes. Um, Pineapple juice is another thing. I'm like, what did this cost? $20,000. You know how hard it is to grow a pineapple? It's this huge <laughs> plant, huge plant. And it, the whole thing produces one pineapple in the middle of it. And you can only grow them in like Hawaii. It's like the, mm-hmm. it's got to be the most, it should be, it should be $100 for a pineapple, mm-hmm. you know? The, those guanabana, that's an amazing fruit. Those really are like a hundred bucks, you know. Anyway, but and then and then to squeeze, imagine, you know, pineapples, they're juicy, but they're not that juicy. So to get a whole jug of pineapple juice is like 30 pineapples. This freaking jug should cost a thousand dollars. So the whole thing's gotta be a lie. And then I get out, I open our snack drawer thing, and there's watermelon jerky in there. Like, what is it, five watermelons to make one piece of watermelon? This also should be like a thousand dollars for the like all this. It's just Whoa. a lot of watermelon jerky. Get out of here. Yeah. Watermelon is yeah. 99% water. Yeah, that's probably not real. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a lie. It's got to be. Anyway. Well, I do think you could like chop up one one chunk of juicy pineapple and throw it in a barrel and get pineapple juice. <laughs> I think the flavor is that. That's got to be what it is. Like, sure, it's, so. it's a little bit of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so intensely pineapple-y. That it's probably yeah, yeah. it's probably eighty two percent apple juice and even apple juice yeah. is weird to me. There's not that much juice in a freaking apple. How does this juice industry work? Tonight, we're exposing the juice industry one fruit at a time. I'm so ignorant. You posted that great video of that 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 gamer guy who was just like, if you're in Hawaii and you dig down, you're gonna hit water, bro. I feel like this is my this is my water, bro. Moment. <laughs> I live in Florida. If I dig down like five feet, <laughs> you get hit ocean. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Like, what if you went through life with that mental model? That's amazing. Yeah, uh, so good. So <laughs> I'm crying. I'm getting warm in the face. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me too. Have we done it? 
I think we're done. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, with juice, juice, juice industry, you're on notice. <laughs> we're coming after you. Yeah, something's going um, on. Yeah, this is this is fake news juice. Um, all right. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 16 tweets a month. And join us in the Discord over on patreon.com slash shop talk show. And Chris, oh, we also have a YouTube over at Real CSS Tricks YouTube. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Shop Talk Show.com.